everybody welcome once again to the wrestling inc podcast i'm glenn rubenstein joined as always by raj giri we got chris calicut and today our special guest vince russo you can find his podcast five days a week on podcast one and catch the video version on the r-e-l-m network also his twitter is the vince russo so glad to have him back on the show vince how's it going all right man how are you Doing well, doing well. So today we're going to talk about SmackDown a little later in the show. But first, Raj, so excited to have Vince on. This takes precedence over everything. Why don't you start uh, with some questions? Yeah, Vince, it's been a while. How you been, man? All right, Raj, how you doing, man? Doing good, doing good. Um, we've. Uh, it's funny because your your name has come up already a, a couple times this week on our podcast because people have been asking uh, just with the ratings right now falling to uh, where they're falling to. Um, all-time lows now. Uh, last week's episode, I think, was the second lowest rated in, in history. Um, do you think there's any turning back? Can the WWE, with how much TV they've got each week, can they, can they turn this around? And not, not just get back into the three million per week, but get back to uh, being popular with, with the younger audience. We have an article this morning about how the median age of of Raw and SmackDown is now like in the 40s and 50s. Yeah, I mean, Raj, you know, I, I think any any company, I mean, whether it's the WWE, you know, whether it's TNA, whether it's a professional sports team, I, I think any company can turn around their franchise with the right people. Uh, but you have to have the right people. And, and it just seems to me that the WWE has been going with the same hand for a very, very long time. And there's a 15-year history of the ratings going down year after year after year. So do they think I do I think they could turn it around? Yes. Do I think they could turn it around with the people at the helm now creatively? Absolutely not. Now, with that said, Vince, do you think sort of the internet has not necessarily ruined it because of the dirt sheets and whatnot, but also cord cutting as far as like you can watch a three hour raw in 10 minutes on YouTube. No, man, because you know, again, again, it's, it's must see TV. If the show is good enough, and I'm talking about any show now. I'm not talking about Raw. If a television show is good enough, you know, there's a lot of Game of Thrones fans out there, The Walking Dead. If a television show is good enough, you're looking forward to watching that show when it first airs. The WWE right now is not good enough. So you, you're not anticipating the show when it first airs. And when it first airs, it definitely is not carrying your interest over three hours. So, you know, listen, man, but people can make all the excuses in the world. The onus is on them. Vince McMahon told me a very, very, very long time ago, if the show is good, they'll watch it. He, he didn't care what the opposition was. He didn't want to hear anything. If the show is good, they'll watch it. I think that goes with any television program. So what do you think is the biggest problem right now with the WWE's weekly TV? I think creative is awful. And 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 I, I got to tell you something, man. You know, somewhere along the line, maybe it was with Triple H and NXT, they made a decision to cater to the hardcore audience, which they already have, an audience which isn't going anywhere, and they isolated the casual fans, which – pretty much is the rest of the world. So what they did was they, they 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 took a program that they had the entire country watching. They they shaved it down to a little piece of the pie, a niche network, and now what they try to do, what the business model is is we're going to bang everybody over the head in that niche market and and make as much money from every one of those people as we possibly can opposed to have a product that the casual viewers are going to watch in droves rather than cater to a little niche market. Yeah, it's a, a couple of quick notes. The ratings are at an all-time low, not just viewership. And ratings are percentage of the homes that get USA Network. So the, the cord cutting doesn't factor into the actual rating, except for the fact of people skipping and, and watching it elsewhere. But, you know, if they are doing that, that just shows how much people feel the need to sit through three hours. And, and another point with YouTube views, the vast majority of those are out of the US. It's like 80%. Um, we grant, you know, I recently switched to PlayStation View. 
Uh, so, you know, I, I don't know if WWE gets that data, but the fact is, popularity-wise, WWE is, is at a real all-time low. Um, now, Vince, I know uh, you've addressed a lot of, there was a table for three last week. Um, and then in separate tweets and podcasts, all the three guys on table for three have kind of uh, come out and attacked you in different ways. Um, you know, obviously, Jim Cornette uh, said that, claimed that you write Vince McMahon every week wanting to, to go back. Now, I know you told me that's not true, correct? Yeah, it's, that's, that's absolutely untrue, Raj. Uh, Raj. Raj, you know what the funny thing is? And, bro, anybody with half a brain would understand this. Cornette obviously doesn't have half a brain. Raj, I go on my podcast, okay, and I publicly read my personal emails with Vince McMahon. Okay, bro. I, I did that on my show. I read I read um his response to me when I did reach out one time. And I also on, on Conan's show on podcast one this week, I read Vince's response to me when I called him out for the table for three show. I called, I wrote him an email. I called him out and he wrote me back and I read that response. Raj, I gotta ask you a question. If I'm dying and begging the WWE for a freaking job, am I really going to go on my freaking show and read Vince McMahon's <laughs> personal e? I mean, let's just be logical, bro. Like, is is that the way, Raj, I would get a job if I was dying and begging for a job? It, it, it's so freaking ridiculous. But But see, that's the thing that annoys me, Raj. You got guys like Cornette and you got guys like Bischoff, you know, that talk out their rear ends. I sit here and I say, hey, listen, man, I do a podcast on podcast one. If I say something about somebody, I am fully responsible for that. And if they want to come on my show and debate that or cut a promo on me or whatever, I'm fine with that. I know once I open my mouth and I say something, you know, they're welcome to come on my show. But when you got guys like Cornette and, and Bischoff, you know, always going behind my back. And when I offered Jim Cornette, I mean, Raj, you know the Cauliflower Alley Club. And, and for a lot of right. people out there that don't know Cauliflower Alley, bro, these are retired wrestlers, a lot of them down on their luck, a lot of them that could use some money. I even offered to Jim Cornette, Jim, let's go on iPay-Per-View. I don't want a penny, bro. I'm not interested in making any money. Let's you and I have a debate on iPay-Per-View every single penny going to the Cauliflower Alley Club, bro. We charge 10 bucks a pop every dime. He turned that down. So, like, I, I don't understand how I'm supposed to combat guys that are talking behind my back and for whatever reason won't confront me face-to-face. -face. Yeah. It, it, is, it is an odd um, hatred. Uh, it's like, uh, gosh, uh, I'm trying to say PG here, but um, uh, <laughs> it's like he banged his sister. You know, it's I don't think it's a hatred. I mean, I, I think it's two different things with Cornette and Bischoff with Cornette, you know, hating Vince Russo has become it's his shtick. It, it, it's part of his stand up routine. And the minute he confronts me face to face and I have my facts th that that show is over. So he, he'll never let that die. And I kind of understand that in a way, weird way. With Eric Britt Bischoff, bro, the, the guy hated me the very first day we met. Why? It's real simple. Because of my success at the WWE, he lost his spot at WCW. Not only did he lose his spot, they replaced him with me. So the first time I ever met Eric Bischoff, he hated my guts. We did not get along at WCW. We did not get along at TNA. But here's the only difference between me and him. I'm not going to go on my show and talk smack about him behind his back without welcoming him to have a face-to-face -face with me. Now, now I definitely urge everyone to check out your podcast to, you know, where you go in detail on Vince McMahon's response. But just to kind of paraphrase, what, what did Vince kind of uh, yeah. uh, say that? 
Well, Rod, let me let me first back it up because I, I I want everybody to know the history, to, you know, to kind of understand where I was at. First of all, bro, the last time I contacted Vince McMahon, I wrote Vince McMahon a personal email when Shane McMahon returned, and the reason why I did that it was personal. Me, Vince, Shane, and Ed, we always used to drive together. So to see father and son together. I, I I was I, it brought a tear to my eye, you know, because of the personal history. So I I wrote an email to Vince. I think Shane came back 14 months ago, and I just said, you know, it was great to see you guys back together again. So Raj, what happens is, you know, I got my podcast, you know, on Podcast One, and and I'm reviewing Raw every week, and, and I just catch myself just not talking highly about Raw. And, and I got to the point, Raj, where I said to myself, you know what, Vince, if you don't have anything nice to say about the product, don't say anything at all. So, Raj, I literally stopped watching Raw. I stopped watching all WWE programming because I didn't have anything nice to say. But I got to be honest with you, bro. My numbers from the Realm Network and Podcast One, they started going down the toilet. I mean, I started losing a lot of views and listeners and, you know, thank God my friend, you know, Disco said to me, Vince, you're doing the same thing WWE is doing. You're not giving the people what they want. So I said, you know what, Glenn, you're right. I started re re reviewing Raw again. I started being honest about Raw again, but I kept, I kept, I caught myself again, bro. You're burying this show every week. And I, Raj, I don't want to be the guy that I'm just going to sit here and bury it every week. I want to be part of the solution. So I wanted to do what I thought the right thing was, seeing where the ratings are going and seeing no light at the end of the tunnel. And one time, and, and I, I, I said on my show I was going to do it. I wrote an email to Vince and I said, Vince, I said, I would be open to contributing to the WWE in any way you see fit, you know, wh whether it's it's TV, whether it's the WWE network, I'm open to contribute to contribute to the product. Raj, I think that that was a gesture of just making me feel good about myself. You know, OK, I did the right thing now. Like, I I'm not going to sit here and trash you. I'm going to offer to help. OK, Quite frankly, and I said, I got no problem being honest. Yeah, Vince McMahon came back, and his answer to me was, Vince, there is nothing available at this time. Hmm. So, so at that point, I'm, I'm fine now. Like, I offered. I said I would help. I know I could help. If you don't want my help, I'm cool with it. So, like, that, that's why it was one response. And, it, it, I mean, it was one email and one email only, and that was the extent of it. Yeah, Matt Morgan and I, he, he does the Raw podcast with us, as you know, and um, he, uh, we were, we were discussing this and we were just saying, has the WWE environment just gotten to the point where you wouldn't be allowed to do anything anyway? You know what I mean? Even if they, they brought you on, they got 30 writers and it, ultimately it doesn't make a difference. The, the formula is the same each and every week. And that's kind of what they want to, you know, I, I can't do it straight away. Raj, can I tell you this? Prior, you got to understand something too. I didn't just write to Vince. I wrote to Vince because I spoke to somebody at a very high level at the WWE. And basically the, the person relied to me like Vince, you know, we, they need you here. And, and the person also suggested that I need to kiss Vince's ass in order to work there. And I'm like, no, you don't understand. I don't want to work there. If I can help and contribute, I will, but I'm not looking for a job. So I'm not going, I didn't kiss Vince's ass when I worked for him. I'm not going to kiss his ass now, but here's my point, Raj. This person at a very high level made me understand it is 100% Vince. It is Vince. He is writing that show. It is all him. The, the, the writers give him material every week. It, it is 100%. 100% Vince McMahon. And that's why there's no doubt in my mind, Raj, if I had the opportunity to work with him like I once did, where it was a one-on-one -on -one and I could be honest with him and tell him what I really felt, that could still work. So the bottom line is, 
if Vince McMahon wanted to go back to something like that, he most definitely could. I, bro, Vince has a big ego, Raj, and I think now he's in he's in this inner struggle of you know, okay, the ratings are in the crapper. The ratings are very low. The popularity is the WWE is very low. And I, myself, am going to get us out of this. And unfortunately, at 72 years old, not having his, his finger on the pulse of what's happening in pop culture and entertainment, that's impossible. And I don't think any 72-year-old man would be able to do that. So a lot of this, I think, Raj, is ego. Yeah. Um, And with that said, Vince, um, rumors have it that Vince doesn't exactly detail every single thing on SmackDown Live, which is, you know, we'll we'll review that later tonight. But it seems in the last few weeks, SmackDown has taken a few more creative chances, so to speak. Do you think that has anything to do with him being a little bit more hands off and giving the actual writers a little more leeway? And and you guys will review SmackDown in. you know, later t- this afternoon, just after, yeah. right. after this. Yeah, from, from what I understand, and again, from, from the same source, and I'm not going to say who it is, Brian James is pretty much driving that ship. Bri- Brian James is pretty much writing the uh, the SmackDown show. He's the head writer of the show. And from the picture I get, Vince is putting, you know, 100% of his energy into Raw. Yeah. Um, it, it does... With Brian James Road Dog, you know SmackDown does get you know almost universally better reviews each week than Raw. But I I just don't know how much of that really is the fact that SmackDown is two hours and Raw is three, and that extra hour just just kills. Um, yeah. That same article I was talking about uh, this morning that you can find on on, on Wrestling Inc. where there was a study where they said the average median wrestling fan is like fifty something and. I think it was Dave Meltzer on Twitter said that probably includes TNA and Lucha Underground, which skew older, and it's probably more in the 40s. And Deadspin did an article about that study where they said a lot of the people that are probably, the reason why that age is probably so high is there's probably leftovers from the Attitude Era that are still watching and not getting new younger fans. Um, And that the younger fans that are there are probably like their kids. Um, how, How can they generate interest with today's audience? Raj. Raj, you know how simple it is? See, that that's the thing with this. This is why, like, bro, I don't want a job with the WWE. I'm not begging Vince for a job. Bro, people have to understand, I haven't worked full-time in wrestling, Raj, in six years. I've got used to my routine. I, I, I podcast now. I do my podcast from home. I spend a lot of time with my wife. At 56, bro, I'm, I'm not built anymore to get back in the grind. But, Raj, this is how simple it is. It's really this simple. The problem with Raw and why nobody's watching it, why nobody's watching WWE is to the casual viewer, it is no longer cool. Now, bro, match that up to what I said. It's being written by a 72-year-old man. How is it going to be cool? Vince McMahon is writing and booking wrestling, and what he's doing is not cool the attitude era was freaking cool you're not gonna get coolness out of a 72 year old head writer it's not gonna happen uh, I, I i gotta say I, I agree with that the product feels uh more out of touch as far as the verbiage uh the lines that they're given uh it, it definitely doesn't seem like it would connect with a normal person uh right with, with right. the smack talk that they do um i did want to ask you too Randomly, Michael Hayes, uh, who is also on that table for three, uh, just randomly tweeted, uh, I think it was over the weekend, that you wanted to retire The Undertaker, you know, like 15 years ago. And you replied and said, obviously, no idiot would do that. It was an angle. Do you, do you remember what he was talking about? Because I know there were just so many storylines. No, nah, bro, I, I don't remember it at all. And I'll tell you why I don't remember it at all, Raj, because here's what people have to understand back in 2002 i was meeting with vince mcmahon secretly for about three days nobody knew i was meeting with him bro i went through the roster a through z of what i would do with every single person on the roster that's why it was like a two or three day session vince mcmahon hired me 
We agreed to money. He hired me. Where the deal fell apart, bro, was I said to Vince, okay, how do you want to let other people know about this now? And it was right before King of the Ring of 2002, and Vince said to me, just show up at TV. And I said, no, Vince, I'm not doing that. That's not, that's not right. That's not the right thing to do. You need to let the writers know. So what happened, bro, was Vince said, okay, the writers are meeting tomorrow. Can you stay overnight and I'll introduce you? I said, fine. So I stayed overnight. I went to the meeting the next day. Vince introduced me and left. Okay. I laid out the same creative to that room that I did to Vince McMahon that he hired me on. And I got to tell you, bro, Michael Hayes was in the room. Paul Heyman was in the room. And when I, and keep in mind, the ratings at that time had gone down the crapper. And when I laid out my creative, I could see Jaws drop. Because quite frankly, if Vince McMahon, you know, had rehired me, there was no need for any of those people in the room. I, I mean, it was quite that simple. I knew what was going to happen exactly as what happened as soon as I left. I knew those guys were going to bury me to Vince because, quite frankly, he didn't need them if he hired me. But here's my point, Roger. My big pitch was Eric Bischoff. Eric was not working for the company at that time. He had never worked for Vince at that time. And I, I told Vince, you got to hire this guy. Him and I have personal differences, but he'll be great on the mic. He'll be great for your story. I laid out a whole elaborate story. So that's what I remember. So now, now getting back to Michael Hayes' remark, for Michael to say something like that, obviously, bro, I'm sure I probably pitched a angle around a, a retirement angle around The Undertaker. But, bro, there's, there's three things you got to remember that Michael Hayes doesn't remember. Number one, first of all, if I pitched that room, I pitched Vince. And Vince had already hired me on my pitch. You know, that's number one. Number two, bro, Taker was 37 freaking years old at the time. <laughs> I mean, come on, bro. He was 37. Number three, Raj. Raj. Does a writer have the freaking power to retire a wrestler? I, I mean, it's ridiculous. Bro. I mean, come on, bro. I don't have I don't have the power to go to Vince McMahon and say, hey, Vince, uh, you know, May 1st is going to be the Undertaker's last match. I mean, that's what I mean. But, but again, Michael, listen, bro, you want to come on the show and you want to talk to me about that, I'll gladly do that. But when none of them will face me, there's nothing I can do. <laughs> I think the uh, wrestling podcast will be a great medium for a couple of these conversations. I'll be happy to, man. I, I, I have nothing to freaking hide. But do you really think I gave Vince McMahon the Undertaker's end date at 37 years old? I mean, come on, man. Right. So no. Here's an angle, Vince, that I want to run by you because you've been known for, for having some choice words about the internet wrestling community and the idea that that's the fans that the WWE is catering to. What do you make of the fact that they're the most vocal critics? They're the ones that are complaining the loudest about the current product. Can I tell you something, bro? Yeah. They were the most vocal critics when I was there. <laughs> they were saying the same things. The, here's the only problem. We were laughing at them. Bro, I'll never forget the day after This Is Your Life, uh, Mick Mick, uh, The Rock, with Mick Foley and The Rock. I'll never forget the day after Dave Meltzer said, that is the worst thing I've seen on any wrestling show ever. And he even said, I'm not going to watch Raw anymore. Wow. The, the the difference is we were laughing at them back then because they weren't representing the casual audience and they were going to watch the show no matter what. So we didn't listen to anything. I am shocked that these same people are now dictating the direction of the WWE and we see where it's gone. And it, it shocked me that it went from laughing to these guys to actually listening to that voice. Shocked the heck out of me. Uh, Vince, I did want to ask you a couple things about uh, today's product. Now, do you see much of a difference between Raw and SmackDown? But man, I got to tell you, Raj, Raj Three weeks ago, I said, I'm, I'm, I can't watch Raw again. With all due respect, I'm going to hop over to SmackDown. Yeah. Bro, the last three weeks of SmackDown, Raj, the only difference has been I don't have to sit there for three hours. The last, I mean, Raj, I swear to God, bro, people that have been in the business for so long, and I'm talking about, you know, Brian, and Brian is a friend of mine, but whoever else is involved in creative, 
what what a mishandling of Jinder Mahal three weeks as the champion. Three freaking weeks, and they they killed it. They they dropped the ball. They it, it's horrendous what they did to this poor guy in the last three weeks. Now, come on, man. If you've got a clue about the wrestling business, how how do you do with how do you do what you did the last three weeks on that show with this guy? Come on, man. What do you, what do you think has has hurt gender over the last three weeks? But he, 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 this is what they do with all these guys, Raj. Everybody just becomes another name on the roster. If you go back and you look at the Attitude Era show, every single show was built around who the champion was and that championship and that title. Every show was built around that. That's the most important thing on the show. Yesterday, three weeks after winning the title, this guy was handled just like another wrestler on the show. The, bro, the, the announcers couldn't have no-sold it anymore. When, when, <laughs> when, when Shane announced he had a, a match with Mojo, the freaking announcers no-sold it. This is your freaking champion. They, 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 and I almost felt like this, to be honest with you, that they have already given up on the guy. That, that, that's how they made me feel. I'm sitting there, I'm saying, three weeks in, you've already given up on this guy? This is the way you're treating him? It, it blows my mind. Now, with that said, Vince, do you think that WWE wants the brand itself to be bigger than any one spe uh, spe specific person, necessarily, whether it's a champion or – Say even a Roman Reigns, like if they let a Roman Reigns go, do you think he could be that megastar that necessarily um, that would trump the WWE name? You know what? Maybe it is, and maybe that's what they're trying to do. But here's the bottom line. Whatever they're attempting to do is not working. It is clear that it's not working. The numbers every week are telling them it's not working. So if that's what they're trying to get across, it's not working. Yeah. Um, so if, if you were, if Vince said, look, we do need some, uh, you know, some, some new creative input, where do you start? Uh, Raj, you, you got to start the same way, the same place I started at WCW when I went in under the same circumstances where Raw had trashed them and now they were they were in the gutter. You literally, you, you got to break it down. You got to break it down, bro. It's almost like you take that bulldozer and you, and you let it fly into the building. You demolish that building and then you start building it from the bottom up. That's exactly what Ed and I, you know, did the first three months at WCW. That's exact. Because I got to tell you something, Raj. I, I, I love a lot of their talent. My, my issue isn't with the talent roster. The, I, I wish I wrote for half of these guys. I, I Bro, I wish I had a Roman Reigns or a Bray Wyatt that I was able. I, I really do. But it's broken. I, it, you, you've got you've to sandblast it and start building the house from scratch. And, 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 and I got to tell you something. They don't know how to do that, including Vince McMahon. They don't know how to do it, so they're throwing crap on top of crap on top of crap, and nothing's working for them. All right. I, I got one more question, then we'll, we'll take some questions. from. We're, we're getting a lot of questions in our YouTube uh, chat. Um, but uh, you, you and I, we've, we've talked in the past about Nakamura and how impressed you were with him. And, and uh, what are your thoughts about how he's been handled already, you know, a month in on the main roster or a month and a half? You know, Raj, can I, there's a basic problem with the WWE. I'll tell you what it is. And this is what's happening. We used to spend a lot of Monday Night Raw and a lot of SmackDown building characters and developing storylines. So when they, by the time we got to the match, it was a big deal. What happened now is they, they don't know how to make characters anymore. There are no storylines. Everybody just wants to fight each other. So when you take away the character building and when you take away the storylines, all you have are matches. 
So every week, bro, as you're working towards a pay-per-view, these guys are in the same ring, whether it's a six-man or a tag or an eight-man. But you, by the time you get the pay-per-view, you've seen these guys mix it up like three or four times before, and it doesn't mean anything. And Nakamura, as unique as the guy is, bro, what have they done, bro? I, I saw a vignette yesterday of, of a guy painting. That's that's the character build of Nakamura. I mean, that's supposed to get me excited about this freaking guy. I was saying yesterday because I did a SmackDown review that they got six guys in the money in the bank match. I mean, can, can you? I mean, please creatively, maybe a baby face and a heel. May, maybe they they team up together. And they say, listen, bro, there's, there's power in numbers. Let's you and I form an alliance, go into money in the bank, eliminate anybody. Then it'll be, I mean, just give me something, bro, something creatively. But there's nothing. Nakamura, slowly but surely, is turning into another name on the roster. And uh, we had a question in the chat, and also I kind of jotted this one down earlier, Vince, but just going back to any company that you have worked for, whether it be WCW, WWE, even Rocky Mountain Pro, what's your favorite character that you've ever either developed yourself or, or written for in general? I would probably say the original, original Goldust. Um, for, for, a, for a couple of reasons. Number one, the character was ahead of its time. Number two, he was unique. Number three, I had to script every promo. But the most important thing was Dustin Runnels. Mm -hmm. I mean, bro, the way he played that character to a T. And, you know, when I can write for somebody and then when that somebody's a great, great performer and you put those two things together, that that was probably my, my favorite. Cool. So uh, we got a question from Veggie Gamer in the chat. Wants to know who you think they're pushing too much right now, and who do you think is is underserved, who deserves a push and isn't getting it. I don't think they're pushing anybody because every <laughs> everything is 50-50 booking. You know, Ziggler beats AJ. AJ comes back and beats Ziggler. Like it, it's all 50-50 booking. Nobody's getting over. There are so many guys at that company that they could push, but. I mean, I man, I, I swear to God, I sit here sometimes and I scratch my head, you know, and I think of Vince and I'm like, did you just forget how to do this? I mean, there, there's a way to do this. There's a way that it was done for years and years. How could you forget the formula? Yeah. What do you what do you make of the current gold dust angle with him sort of returning a little bit shades of his roots? I got to be honest with you, I switched off of Raw when that happened, so I haven't seen it. But gotcha. since since SmackDown has stunk up the joint the last three weeks, I'm going to go back and try Raw again next week. So I'll, I'll, I'll be watching it for the first time, but I haven't seen any of it. Gotcha. Uh, well, what do you like currently? Is there anything that you see in the WWE that you go, okay, yeah, that was pretty good? Well, I, I mean, I, bro, there were two things on last night's show. You guys are about to do a SmackDown yeah. review. There were two things that I thought were good, okay? I, I thought the uh, the Fashion Files was entertaining. I thought it was brilliant when when the uh, New Day went in the room and they sold themselves as being in black and white. I thought that was brilliant. <laughs> I thought that was very creative. These are the two things I liked on a two-hour show. I liked that and the Usos promo. I, I, I like those Usos, man. I mean, that I got the penitentiary gimmick, all that stuff. But I sat there for two hours, and honestly, those were the only two things that I took from the show. I, I, I what, what I did like, I, I guess, my, my favorite thing going on before he got hurt. I mean, I, I was liking the, the Strowman uh, rain stuff. I mean, I, I I was liking that. I, I I was starting to you know get into that a little bit, but then you know Strowman got hurt. But right now, bro, I I really can't tell you there's any angle that I'm into or I'm looking forward to. Cool. This is great. This is fantastic to know, with all of it. And uh, Vince, thanks so much for joining us today on the podcast. So people know, five days a week on Podcast One and the video version on the Realm Network. Twitter is the Vince Russo. Vince, anything else you want to plug? No, that's it, guys. And I appreciate it. Hey, listen, man, I, I want to tell you guys, I have a special place in my heart for Wrestling Inc. Because, you know, Ra, I consider Raj a friend. We we met in Colorado. We sat down. We broke bread. Are you, the truth be told, I think Raj made me pay for lunch. But I never held that against him. I never held that against him. But I want to tell you guys, listen, 
I have nothing to hide. Bro, my I, I wear my heart on my sleeve, and it's hurt me in the wrestling business because I tell the truth no matter what. Bro, anytime you guys get a story, anytime you guys get a scoop, anytime you guys report anything, please feel free to contact me, and I will basically say, guys, he, he, here is the situation. So that's why I was happy to come on the show today. You know, I mean, Wrestling Inc., bro, obviously you guys aren't on castrating the marks. Uh, because I like Raj, so you guys will you, you guys won't be on that show. But ju just know, bro, I'm here, man. I I don't run from anybody. I'm sitting right here, bro. I got to ask you real quick. I I see parallel lines. What are the other two albums on your wall? Because it's driving me crazy. What are the what? The other two albums on your wall over there. Oh, that I got. Yes. Okay, so I got yeah, Blondie. I got Howard Jones, and then I have the soundtrack to Sing Street which was a throwback. Uh, it's about a band from the 80s. It just came out last year. Bro, weird collection you got there. <laughs> I'm into that? a bit of everything, man. Yeah. Yeah, okay. so, so he joins the Matt Morgan chain of picking on Glenn, which is fantastic. So. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and Vince, yeah, you might have gotten lunch, but I got I, I got dinner that time we went. So. Yeah, you did. And it was a lot more expensive too, Roger. That's, that's why I worked it out that way. But seriously, I mean, really, thanks for having me on. I, I appreciate the opportunity. All right, man. Take care. And we'll, we'll, hope, to, we'll hope to see you soon. Thanks, All right, guys. Take care. All right, man. Bye. Always great to have Vince Russo on the podcast. Um, so we're going to talk about SmackDown Live and what happened last night. Oh, man. Weird show. Weird week. Raj, what are your top-level thoughts on SmackDown last night, especially in light of a pretty good Raw this week? Well, uh, this was one of the weeks uh, that I thought Raw beat SmackDown. You know, it was, was the better show. I just thought it was kind of nothing. You know, and, and this is kind of the pattern we see where uh, the night after, you know, kind of the night after a pay-per-view, you see new developments. And then it's just cruise control, same formula until that pay-per-view comes. Where, you know, you, we got the multi-person matches. You're seeing a bunch of multi-person, you know, the multi-person money in the bank matches. And you're just seeing a bunch of uh, multi, you know, the people in those matches just square off each week with, uh, without it meaning anything. None of the matches felt like it meant anything tonight. Yeah, Chris, how about you? I just thought the pacing was kind of odd this week for whatever reason. The um, Normally SmackDown has a pretty good flow where the two hours passes really quickly. Um, and I didn't really get that this week. I thought it actually drug on a bit. You know, it had its high points, had its low points. Just thought the pacing was a little more odd this week. It was all over the place last night. I mean, so let's start at the top segment. The unveiling of the new Money in the Bank briefcase opened up the show uh, for the women for the women's money in the bank match. And that led to fairly long promo. Uh, each of the performers, Tamina, Natalia, Carmella, Becky Lynch, and Charlotte, each got a line in. James Ellsworth stepped in, which, uh, <laughs> yeah, that was something. Um, and then, of course, uh, Lana and Naomi came out. So, Raj, this was the re-debut of Lana. What do, what do you think? Uh, what do you think? I wouldn't say it was... I wouldn't say it was brutal, but it was bad. Yeah. <laughs> I thought Naomi's promo was bad. You, you know, again, we, we just we just saw that Samoa Joe, Brock Lesnar, I mean, uh, the Samoa Joe, Paul Heyman thing, how, um, and you can't, I know you can't do that all the time, but just how it didn't seem so forced, it seemed natural, it seemed realistic. Nothing in this segment seemed realistic. It seemed campy, hokey, and there was so much campy and hokey stuff to tonight. And um, yeah, I just thought it just doesn't, you know, it doesn't stick. And Lana just gets a title shot at the next pay-per-view. Um, so weird. So random. Yeah. I mean, I mean, they gave her something, I guess. But, but especially uh, after burying her last, like that last night. I mean, making her they, seem like a complete joke. Yeah, shouldn't they make a match with her for tonight where if she wins, then she gets a title shot? At least. Yeah, build her I up. Mean, yeah, they're, they're just... Uh, yeah, again, at, and then at least you would have a match that there is a uh, some sort of stipulation or a, a reason that, that, you know, that means something, and, and they didn't do that. And I was going to say they were treating her like the James Ellsworth of the women's division, but James Ellsworth is the James Ellsworth of the women's division, <laughs> so, you know. Right. Uh, very strange. So that devolved into, hey, guess what? A six-woman tag match. Not like we haven't seen this on SmackDown Live. Uh, I was getting into people with, about this on Twitter last night. What do you think the percentage is since they did the first one of these at December SmackDown pay-per-view that there are 
the percentage of segments that have either been six women matches, four women matches with the other two women there, or even singles matches where the other four women interfered. What percentage do you think that's been on SmackDown for the last six months? If you had to hazard a guess. Ooh, let's see. I want to take a stab and say 65. Raj, what's your guess? Uh, I'm going to go higher. I'm going to say like <laughs> 75. Yeah, no, it feels like it. It absolutely feels like it. And the fact that we're even talking about this and talking about how it feels like that is just insane to me. Um, that they've taken this women's division and on Raw, look, Raw has problems too. Raw, we get two women the focus each week, usually the champion and whoever she's up against. The other women are very much in the background. But you can't tell me there's another way to do this. I mean, we had, or th th there isn't another way to do this because we had that first segment last night was a half an hour of all six women don't you guys both think that would have been better served having that as two 15-minute segments as opposed to lumping them all into one big one? I've been saying that for weeks. Yeah. And they did that at the beginning of the brand split because you had actually two or three separate women's storylines that were getting five to ten minutes apiece every week on SmackDown. Yeah. Uh, I mean, they, they were doing that at the very beginning, so I don't know why that we've just gotten a little lazier here in the past uh, you know, three months or so, but uh, it just seems like uh, we're, we're lumping everybody together again. And I'm telling you, look, the heels won last night and the match was fine, but it's it's hard to even comment on this. It's hard to even review what's happening when it's just the same thing again and again. I know we were talking about with Matt Morgan on the Monday show about how you you evolve over the course of these matches. But I feel like the women have just become stagnant with this so uh yeah and i like i said with charlotte i think it's hurt her since she's moved to smackdown she doesn't seem as big a star as she did when she was well, on raw she's i mean literally in the background yeah. you know literally in the background of these segments it seems like so i hope uh after money in the bank they they do something a little different with the women's division it's so frustrating as a fan of uh really of all these women i think they all have potential if handled properly but this is not doing them any favors has there been there hasn't been a singles women's title match on a, a pay-per-view since before wrestlemania right i guess it would be like uh Maybe at Elimination Chamber, maybe there was? Yeah, she, Naomi hasn't defended it one-on-one -on, -one on a pay-per-view, I don't think, yet, has she, since she's got it back? I don't think so. So this will be the first. Um, yeah, start start breaking this up. You know, Start breaking these women up and not just clumping them all together. That didn't work the last time you did it, when you had Team Bad and, and you know, whatever. I'm already forgetting what the name of the other ones were. But it, it just, yeah, it didn't do anyone any favors, yeah, other than you introduced them. But the that classic was... run of PTB on Monday Night <laughs> yeah. Raw. Glenn had that on the tip of his tongue the whole morning. It was I there. Just, I just what was the original name? Like submission sorority. sorority. Submission sorority. sorority. Nobody Googled that before naming it that. <laughs> um, and then realized that, oh, that was a huge mistake. Um, that that was two things real quick, guys. Um, yeah. What did you think of Lana coming back as a heel with the full Russian accent? When honestly, I thought the fans were, you know, they were chanting, we want Lana, we want Lana. Mm -hmm. uh, a baby face turn probably wouldn't have hurt her, would it? Yeah, probably not. I mean, I, I th she could go either way. Yeah, I, I think she's, I think everyone now sees her, you know, I mean, people know that she's not really Russian. I think right. it was time to <laughs> mm -hmm. find a storyline way to get rid of the accent. You know, mm -hmm. saying she was, you know, doing it for Rusev or something, you know, doing it to impress Rusev and all of a sudden, and then he realized that she had been swerving him all this time. You know, something. Oh, wow, that would that would be a real reveal. I was gonna say, you know, maybe she was working on her English, improving it, but they can't do that because then people would be like, then what's taking Nakamura so long if Lana can just lose the Russian accent so quickly? Right, but um, if they're they're kind of splitting him up, so why not have it be like it turns out that she had been lying to him all this time. She wasn't really Russian. And then he gets pissed and they split. She's back to her, you know, her normal accent and Rusev is doing his thing. Forget about mentioning their marriage or whatever. That, that they're, you know. That, that's brilliant. I love that. I know we, we talk about fantasy booking a lot and it seems kind of silly, but I mean, I would even go one further and have her do different accents and then have it be like, you know, the <laughs> international spy angle where we don't even know where she's from really, yeah. you know? Master uh, of disguise. I mean, they yeah. dropped Kofi's Kofi's accent in one week. Yeah, you remember that? It is weird having her do that with the character now. I mean, uh, I was talking about this with my wife last night. How even when the hometowns now are largely more real and not so much kayfabe, so it's weird that they're they're having her adopt this um, 
and keep it going as her shtick. So we're going to talk about the rest of SmackDown in a second, but I want to give uh, some love to the sponsor of this episode, which is DDP Yoga, DDPY. First, talk about it before. It's used by the likes of Chris Jericho, AJ Styles, Mick Foley, Goldust, and tons of other WWE stars who love using DDPY. Man, watch the Jake the Snake documentary. Watch the Scott Hall documentary. DDP Yoga saved these guys' lives. And for a limited time, you can get full access to the DDP Yoga Now app for 25% off, or you can get the DDPY DVDs for 25% off. And that includes three full months of access to the DDP Yoga Now app. You can also buy a Max or Combo Pack at 25% off and get 50% off the second one. Head on over to our link at DDP yoga.com slash wrestling inc that's ddp yoga.com slash wrestling inc take control of your health take control of your life get started with ddp yoga and we appreciate them sponsoring the show um so coming off that segment last night we had uh mojo backstage asking for an opportunity to uh get in on the money in the bank match and it was announced he was going to be fighting jinder mahal later in the night we'll talk about that um but first, AJ Styles versus Dolph Ziggler. So this was a rematch and a chance for AJ to get his win back. What did you think of uh, the match itself, especially compared to their last one, Chris? I noted on Twitter last night, man, I could watch these two go all day. I mean, they're two of the best entering technicians in the world. They really are. Um, if you think about it, even Ziggler, a lot of people rag on Ziggler for how he works, like a rag doll or whatever. But I enjoyed this match once again. But as uh, Vince alluded to, it's 50-50 booking. Uh, you have to make each guy look somewhat strong going into the Money in the Bank uh, pay-per-view and the match it, itself. But uh, to me, it actually slows the momentum down instead of builds somebody up. Yeah, Rush. Uh, you know, I, I, I've spoken about this before. I love, you know, I love good matches. But at some point, if there's no story behind it, it, it gets, you know, it's kind of been there, done that. I've seen AJ and Dolph have you know, a good match last week. If there's no reason for them to be wrestling after a while. And, and it's funny with, you know, we had Vince on and uh, when me and Vince would do the podcast before he moved to, to podcast one, we would, you know, I would say like, if you watch two great actors going back and forth, it's great. You know, that it's, it, it, uh, that's fun to watch, but after some point, if there's no story, it gets old. And so when you have great matches every week, you, 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 there's good wrestling. WWE has more talented wrestlers now than they've ever had, in my opinion. So you, you can see good matches anytime, but if there's not a real story, then after a while, it just, it just burns you out. And, and I, I just thought that this was a good match, but there's no point. Right. And the commentators, the best they could come up with, well, this gives good old uncle Mo, you know, momentum or some bragging rights or whatever. Uh, it, that's not enough to carry something into a pay-per-view, in my opinion. Well, especially, I mean, I don't know. AJ and Ziggler, they're both talented, but the way they've booked Ziggler to have him beat AJ last week in the main event was insane. What I mean, they just, should have been doing up until now is been having qualifying matches for the guys to get into the Money in the Bank match. That would be fantastic. Would something, you're into it, you're staying in. You know, and, and staying engaged every week, wondering, you know, who gets in and who, you know, who are the final, Is it's six, right, this year? Yeah, six. Uh, yeah, so that would make, that would make, give you a reason to watch every week. But no, instead we had the complete lineup and then Kevin Owens <laughs> asked to be in it and he was like, okay, yeah, you're right. We'll add you. Like no <laughs> storyline, no match, nothing. This, this has been so underdeveloped, and I'm bummed because Money in the Bank, my favorite pay-per-view of the year, and, uh, you know, I just, one more, one more to go. They have not, look, say what you will about last year's. I know a lot of people didn't like the build of last year's. I personally loved it. I felt like they really at least put in the time to build that match last year, and this year they're not doing that. No, they just rushed into it, and now it's, you know, ever since then it's been, four, you know, four weeks of, it's just same old, same old, or three weeks now, I guess. But I'm, I'm pretty sure next week will be more of the same. So Fashion Files returned last night um, with New Day and Brazongo spending some time together backstage. Um, what did you think of this, Rush? I, I liked it. I, I <laughs> uh, You know, I, I remember I was, the first week I thought it was hokey, but it's grown on me. I've said that every week. and. I like it. I don't know. I don't think they should do it every week. I think it, it, that'll make it get old if you want to keep it going for a while. I think you have it come back every every two, three weeks and, and do it as a special thing. But I liked it. And there's, you know, again, there's some 
clever lines and Big E if that is your real initial like that. So I, th I thought it was pretty good. Yeah, Chris had this ma uh, measure up to the other ones. I like the uh, the fashion files overall, um, and th they pop me every. These guys are so good. They have been for a long time, and um, you know. With that said, the the reiteration of the new day being put in the whole black white spot popped me a little bit. A little racial double entendre there. Um, <laughs> so, and then you know they were confused about the whole speaking in the voice, uh, you know, inside their heads where Brizongo could understand themselves, knew they couldn't hear them. Uh, just little things, man. That The little creative things popped me. and thought it was good. Yeah, it was a great segment. Um, and after that, Mojo Raleigh versus Jinder Mahal with the Singh brothers. Um, Chris, what did you think of this match? All right, so... Here's my thing. I've been a noted Mojo Rawley hater from pretty much day one in NXT. Now, with that said, I think his um, pre-match promo earlier in the night was actually his best promo since he's been on the main roster, if not of his career. You know, he toned down the hypeness a little bit. He was a little more serious. And I thought he gave a decent performance in this match, but the whole match was designed to get Mahal over as, as beating a solid star and cementing himself as champion, or at least that's, that's the way it felt to me. Yeah. Rush. Um, you know, I, 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 you know, I've said this many times, I've always found Mojo's character too annoying to get to a top level. I thought tonight he came across the best he has in a long time and, and with talking smack after too, I thought he came across great. Um, you know what Vince, what Vince said earlier was a great point this did not feel like a world champion wrestling somebody, you know, mm -hmm. like they did not make it a big deal that he's the champ or, uh, and the world title, the world champion, the world title feud, it should be made to be a big deal. And yeah. they're not doing that. It's just, it could have just as easy been a, you know, gender could have just as easy been the U S champion. It would have felt the same. So, um, but I do take it back. This was the one match where there was a consequence to winning, where there was an actual mm -hmm. uh, reason to win. So that Except, that part was yeah. good, uh, I guess. But you know, make the world title. It, it's it's slipping. The WWE Championship uh, just doesn't feel like um, it's even close to the Universal Championship now. You know? Now, um, yeah. uh, I, one of the viewers noted on Twitter last night that. Uh, even the Undertaker thought Ginger's entrance last night was a little bit long, um, but so don't you think by them giving him that big of a spectacle, they even gave the Singh brothers their theme song to come out to? Don't you think at least that puts a little bit of importance onto what they're doing, whether the match felt like it or not? They're at least attempting as a character to get him over as this big Maharaja, the king, you know, the the, the best in the business. I will I will admit that Ginger comes across as more of a star than he ever has and then a lot of guys on the roster so their mm -hmm. their push is working it just doesn't feel like a a top level world championship gotcha well, and his feud with orton doesn't feel like yeah. a big world title feud and you know i thought this with orton and christian too i mean they were having great matches um but it didn't feel like a huge feud that you know is going to bring in new fans and and, and it's going to you know make a difference in business um yeah it's just uh, this I don't think certainly didn't do Mojo any favors, and it's just amazing. This shows you how quickly WWE creative can change its big plans, right? I mean, Jinder was fed to Mojo a couple months ago, and now here in the span of this time, Mojo was fed to Jinder last night to strengthen him. Um, in this, it's just uh, yeah. It's unfortunate. Uh, I, I, it's weird even the announcers trying to put Mojo over. Mojo has been what they say that he's been hanging out, giving backstage tours, referencing yeah. that terrible segment. You know. And I think we got Cena coming back in, in July. I don't know if the plan is for Cena and Jinder. Um, hmm. That would make sense. Sure. I, I, but I'm sure they'll probably keep Orton going for another month. And who knows? Maybe Orton beats him. Uh, maybe he doesn't. But I think you'll see a big difference with Cena versus Mahal. It'll feel like a much bigger deal than uh, Mahal versus Orton has felt. Yeah, but to do that, he has to beat Randy Orton again uh, in Money in the Bank. I mean, really, I think, just needs that win to be competent against Cena. Um, yeah, well, they could do a DQ here and then at the next, the July, because they got one more pay-per-view before SummerSlam. Oh, that's true. So. Oh, so you think, yeah, 
That'll be interesting. Schmaz, and then, so he escapes with the title. Randy Orton wasn't able to win it in his hometown. Uh, and, and then they go to the July pay-per-view. So let's talk about that Nakamura segment with the painting last night. Yeah, about that. <laughs> um, and they even, like, to me, would you not use his actual theme song during his own vignette? Um, you know, they changed it to even more of a racial oriental type of rock song necessarily than than his entrance. I mean, if you're wanting him to get over, if his song's already over and the crowd is singing along with it, why would you put anything else associated with Nakamura? That, that, that to me just felt very disjointed. I like the vine- that video package without the painting. I thought it, <laughs> okay. you know, like I thought it, it was, it was cool otherwise, but the painting was just so, it's like, man, you, you, you're, you're, you're gifted this guy who's super over. Just don't mess it up. That's all you need to do. And, and, you know, by calling him the artist and, and doing all this, uh, this rock star stuff, let that come organically. Let, you know, uh, with all the, the phrases that JR would come up with, you know, they were organic and it fit and then it stuck. Not trying to make this stuff stick when you already got a guy who's over and uh, the fans are already into him. Bailey says hello, by the way, guys. Yeah. Come <laughs> on. It's all organic. I mean, we all know when we see Dean Ambrose, the first thought that organically pops into our mind is this guy is a lunatic. He's crazy. <laughs> you know, it's just, oh. I'll say this yeah. after the show. Yeah. I mean, uh, after we, we do the SmackDown recap. Um, so the Colognes versus the New Day. Raj, what'd you think? Yeah, it was a showcase for New Day to come back. So um, it was fine. You know, I, I mean, it, it was what it should have been, actually. So it, you know. Well, yeah, it was, yeah, exactly. and then the, the Usos came out and just elevated that segment with that promo. That was their best live promo I think they've cut. Um, I think the other ones were very good, but they've always sort of stumbled or they mix up a word or they'll, they'll like get a little off in cadence. They rush it too fast. Last, uh, last time was absolutely perfect. Flawless promo from the Usos. Oh, the Usos have been fantastic with this character change. Um, just the aggression. The, I think this is actually probably the way they act more naturally. You know, if you're if they're in the back, they'll probably be out there joking on the guys walking around. I mean, the, mm-hmm. I think these are the type of guys they probably actually are in real life, except you know, turned up to eleven. So I mean, it's it's more natural for them, and they, they've been fantastic. And the the match itself with New Day and the Colognes, which you know, not the Spray Cologne, of course, the um, the Cologne brothers or cousins, as it were. Um, it, it was what it should have been. It got New Day over, and uh, that's all it needed to be. Well, here, here's the thought part that I thought that was odd. I, I think the Usos just come across as like they have more charisma than almost anyone on the roster right now. I mean, they, they seem natural in their promos. They don't seem like they're reading from a script. Um, I, think, I think they're awesome. I think there's a lot they can do with these guys. Um, the, the thing I thought was odd is this was the New Day's first appearance, and the Uso pretty much buried them in that promo, and the New Day never got a chance to respond. You know, being that this was their first match, I would have probably held off a week or something. I, I'm sure New Day will respond next week, but uh, just to kind of get buried like that after their first appearance, was I thought was a little strange. But Usos were fantastic, I thought. And, you know, this was a... I got to agree with Vince, what he said earlier. The two big things that stood out were the Usos and that um, Fashion Files segment. And I, I kind of agree. Uh, the New Day, I think, at this point is almost unburiable, if that's even a word. Um, I don't think anything like that really hurts them very much, especially right. this early on, because they're so over. Yeah, uh, I, I, I think they, I guess, they can take it and be okay. I, I guess buried is not the right word. It's just that they were shown up right okay. on their first appearance. Okay. And, and I'm sure you should do that eventually when you're building a feud. But. Um, it just seemed odd to me that their first appearance. But, uh, you know, again, I, that's kind of nitpicking. So how many more times can Baron Corbin attack Sami Zayn backstage? <laughs> Jesus. It's a rib at this point, I think. It is. I mean, Sami should be self-aware of it. I just see Vince coming in and be like, wait, there, wait, damn it. There's no Sami Zayn getting destroyed by Baron Corbin in this week's script. Throw it in somewhere. They didn't announce to say, I was thinking they're setting this up for uh, him being out now of the match due to injury and maybe then giving Mojo the spot. That was the only thing I could think of they might have been going for last night with this, but who knows? This wasn't close to as brutal as the attack like two weeks ago, right? Yeah. 
So I think it'd be kind of odd to take him out of after this attack. Now, if he does it again next week, um, I mean, it's, it's just it's just long in the tooth, but. Um, the way they've treated Sami Zayn, I could see Baron Corbin tripping him and in kayfabe being like, Sami's injured. He can't compete in Money in the Bank. <laughs> he's, he's getting the Bailey treatment now. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And he just comes um, across like an idiot. Yeah, unless he's going to win this. That's the only way, I think, to redeem him. Uh, but I'm sure he'll be a, a high point of the match nonetheless. Him and Owens were great last year. I think they'll be great this year. Um, Naomi was talking to Shane, put her putting her title on the line at Money in the Bank against Lana. What is their fixation with the term snatch her bald? Have you noticed? We heard this on the Extreme Rules kickoff show. Other women are saying it now in both divisions. Like it's like Vince McMahon just discovered this phrase and now wants to use it everywhere. Is that a real phrase? I believe. Yeah. So. Okay. I'm. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm exactly. I'm a little bit younger than you guys. Not that much, but I even. I don't exactly use that in my uh, everyday phraseology, so to speak. Um, I mean, yes, I am going a bit bald for our our video viewers, but uh, that's about it. Yeah, so uh, someone in creative loves that phrase because it's everywhere. So let's talk about the main event. This was billed as the first time anywhere. Um, I thought this could have been a pay-per-view match. Kevin Owens versus Shinsuke Nakamura last night. What did you think of it, Rosh? You know, the match itself was fine. Um, but again, I, 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 I don't like you beating champions. Owens is getting beat every week now. It feels like, I mean, he got pinned by Nakamura last, was that last week or two weeks ago? I think it was Both. last week. Both. So three weeks in a row. <laughs> yes. But I guess they're probably building to, you know, Nakamura being the next guy getting the, in, in the U S title program after money in the bank. Um, but I, I just, I just don't like how far Owens has fallen. He was, you know, world champion three months ago uh he just seemed like he was he was on the verge like after that heel turn with uh chris i'm not heel turn but after turning on chris jericho he just seemed like he got that spark to be a a top level guy and now he's back to where he was a year ago and um you know i i think uh with with smackdown they don't have as many guys as raw you need to protect the guys that you do have and Mm -hmm. they're not doing that here yeah, so all in all, Chris, last night, how did you think SmackDown compared to Raw this week? It's a rare week for me that I'm going to give the nod to Raw. Um, I would have given Raw, I think you guys gave it, what, like a B-plus or A-minuses. You know, I would have been along those same lines. I would have give, I would give SmackDown probably, probably a straight C last night. Wow. I'm kind of around that same level, too. Um, there was nothing really... Like, Fashion Files and Usos promo, that's about, what, five minutes of, of material and it's, <laughs> yeah. you know, out of two hours. I think SmackDown's kind of overrated right now at this point. I don't think it's been particularly great since uh, since the roster shakeup. I Actually, think it, yeah. it, the two-hour thing helps it. It doesn't drag as... Uh, an average SmackDown doesn't drag near as bad as an average Raw, and an average Raw is bad because it's three mm. hours. And uh, I just don't think SmackDown has had that spark. Even I thought Nakamura could help turn things around, but they're they're kind of I don't think they're he's lost it or anything. But he's not clicking with the main roster crowds just yet either. I think I'm not exactly the sure. booking is like yeah. I don't think the booking is clicking with him. Mm-hmm. That's true too. You know, but um, so yeah, I think it, it it's been it's a C, and SmackDown's a little overrated right now. Yeah. Um, and I'll tell you what I think it is because talking smack last night just seemed again, sort of meh. Um, I think it's Daniel Bryan, just his presence on the show added something that both, both not only talking smack, but even on SmackDown because they gave him angles that were a little more interesting. Shane McMahon is so agreeable, um, in kayfabe to everything that a performer asks of him that there's no, there's no tension. There's no interaction. You know, it's just kind of par for the course but i think daniel bryan on both talking smack and smackdown absolutely elevated both shows absolutely mm-hmm. um daniel bryan uh the miz uh, you know not having kevin owens is one of their best guys on that show and he's he's rarely on um <clears throat> but you know with, with daniel bryan i'm just surprised at how how long he's been off i mean it's been a, a month since they've had the baby they never get any wrestlers that kind of time off especially when it, he just has to come in uh one night and that's great that they're doing it um 
I hope he's. I, I was back the week after, guys. I don't. I don't know what's wrong with Daniel Bryan. I mean, <laughs> yeah, that kid should be raising itself at this point. I mean, come on. You know. It's one day a week. Yeah. Um, but uh, it, it definitely makes a huge difference. And I thought Shane McMahon was just off all night. Like in in the promo at the beginning of the show, he seemed, uh, you know, he, he was tripping on his words a little bit. And uh, how about that two time uh, that two time superstar Tamina Snuka? Right, yeah, yeah, exactly. Right out of the gate, I'm like, wait a minute, what's going on here? <laughs> twice, twice in her career, she's been a superstar. Just, right. tw- just the twice. Um, yeah, I mean, I think, I think he's very likable. I think his entrance has always been great. I've always loved uh, the Shane O'Mac entrance, but yeah, it's just he he needs a partner. If not Daniel, they need to think about who to replace Daniel Bryan with for a while, just to give Shane someone to play off of. You know? And and I think Shane shouldn't be on. I think less is more with Shane. I think he should be out there for important announcements, so it makes it look more important, and and not be on every week. Yeah, and I actually um, thought raw, raw talk was actually pretty good with uh, Corey Graves um, with Renee Young. So I, I actually thought that was pretty decent this week. So cool. I have to check that out. Um, so what else we got, Rush? Uh, up here? I think that's it. We got a bunch of questions earlier for when when Vince was on. Um, guys, we're gonna try to have a, a lot of you seem to like the the special guests on Wednesday, so we got a couple uh, more lined up this month. We got uh, Sean Davari coming up in a couple weeks, uh, Tony Schiavone, and uh, yeah, so we'll we'll try to do that more often on our Wednesday podcast. Cool. Monday night, me, Raj, and Mr. Matt Morgan will be uh, here talking about Monday Night Raw. Oh, not Raj this right. week. I'm sorry. You get, you week, get me this week. Yeah, Chris. Chris will. Chris, Chris will be with on. Matt Morgan. Have we had that? Have you you've been with Chris before or uh, with uh, Matt before? Haven't you, Chris? I have. Yes. Cool. So this will be good. We'll talk about Monday Night Raw next week, and uh, then a week from Sunday, Money in the Bank, the big one. Usually my favorite pay per view of the year. Oh. How that's probably not going to be the case this year. But hey, real quick, I'll give, let me get my pick since I, I won't be on next week. Yeah. Um, uh, so I'm going to go with uh, I'm going to go with Nakamura. Actually, it's really? usually an it's usually an underdog oh. that wins. Uh, but I'm gonna I'm gonna say Nakamura. Maybe the backstage thought is he can just carry the case and just keep pointing to the case, so they won't have to have him speak. Yeah, I think he'll do one of those where he doesn't do a surprise cash in. He announces it at a pay per view and uh, and does it that way. Oh, interesting, hmm. Chris. Who do, who do you think's gonna win Money in the Bank? Um, I know the smart money isn't quite in, but um, if I just had to pick out of the blue right now, I'd say Baron Corbin. Yeah, I could see that happening. That's who I. That's who I had predicted a couple of weeks ago, but I, I I don't know. I just feel yeah. like that's almost too obvious in a weird way. I'll say this last night, so we didn't talk about this angle about Corbin uh, ambushing and putting end of days on Nakamura last night. Corbin last night, for the first time to me, actually looked like he belonged there. Like he, the way he's carrying himself now, he looks like he's got his confidence and he's on that level. I could absolutely see him winning Money in the Bank. I, I could see that too. If uh, That's my probably my number two pick. Yeah. I mean, when he lost to Sammy last month, remember after that show, I was like, <laughs> Corbin's winning Money in the Bank. <laughs> Um, well we'll see so until next time everyone i'm glenn rubenstein uh thanks to vince russo for joining us today and on behalf of myself raj giri and chris calicut we'll see you back here on the wrestling inc podcast take care